The first Sunday of the year is an opportunity to explore and be asking God, okay, what do you want to be doing with us in 2024? What's the primary thing that we should be about? Now, like with all good Sunday school answers, you know the answer already if you're a Christian because the answer is always Jesus. It's always Jesus. But there's, there's a sense that I get in the spirit, I know others do as well, that what Jesus is calling to his church for is an increased level of intimacy and relationship with him. Why? Because it's possible and we haven't bottomed it out yet. There's so much more to him that we can know and get to know and he wants us to know. And so the challenge that we've got is trying to walk forward into 2024 and ask ourselves some questions. Ask what is 2024 going to be like that's different from 23? Is there going to be a gear change, a shift in my relationship with the Lord? Or is it going to continue? We'll explore some barriers, some things that might get in the way of that. Some questions that we can have. Have you had enough of Jesus yet? It's a serious question. Have you had enough of him? Because there were different groups of people that hung around Jesus. And some stood from a distance and looked in at what was going on and thought that was nice, but actually it looks like a lot of nonsense and I'm not that interested and they walk away. And then there were others who were close and what they liked was some of the things around Jesus, but they never really chose to get to know him and push in. And then there were those in this core who were like, he's knowable. He, he'll actually receive me and I can know him. So I'm going to risk it, but I'm going to step into that space. And I'm going to see what he's like. And that's the invitation for us as we explore the person of Jesus Christ. Because he is a person, a personality with a sense of humour, with things that delight him, with a, uh, an intense longing for you, for you to know him so that you discern his voice as being a different voice from all the others that you hear. Jesus said, you know, I'm, I'm the shepherd of the sheep and the sheep know my voice. There's a phenomenon where you can go out into a field of sheep and you can pretend to be the shepherd and they'll just look at you like, you're clueless. Like, what are you doing? In fact, they'll run away from you. But sheep know the shepherd's voice. They know it. Throughout Scripture, Jesus presents himself as knowable. Not just as a concept, not as a theological construct that's out there somewhere, but as a person who is knowable. And he promises that he's with us, 
and that we can hear his voice and we can know him. That in itself blows my mind. That in itself, by his spirit that was poured out after he ascended to heaven, blows my mind. Because he said, oh, when I go, I'm going to send another like me who's going to be with you. And he's going to so be with you, it's like me being with you. Because that's the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You can't split them out and you, it, it's just a bit of a mind job, right? Because what the Father does, the Son does. And what the Son does, the Spirit does. And what the Spirit does is what the Father does. And they are united in purpose. And as we've seen today, the dynamic is they're living in an active in lives. And so it's like, okay, so I can get to hear your voice. I can get to know you. Is, is that, how's that possible? What's going to happen? Well, I've got the word of God. I've got the gospels that were written down by those who were present and observing what was happening. And then I've got the history and the record of the church and how it exploded. And then I've got all the contemporary witness and testimony of what God has been doing. Brilliant. Fantastic. There's so much evidence for the resurrection, for the historic person of Jesus, for all that he is, that it blows my mind. But is that knowing him? No. That's knowing about him. That's not knowing him. I've been taken aback by what John writes in his first letter. So he writes a gospel and then he writes a letter to the churches. And uh, he says this in 1 John 1, if you'd like to look it up. I'm going to be reading from the New King James. That's what I've got with me today. John writes to the church and he says this. Listen, guys, that which was from the beginning, that which is eternal, which we have heard, so our eyes have actually heard it, which we've seen with our eyes, sorry, our ears have heard it, and which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon in the same room, walking down the same dusty road, been with, lived with, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. So this is a physical reality manifestation of the apostles' relationship with Jesus. Yeah? So like, this is, this is our walk and talk with the person of Jesus Christ. And by the way, I'm framing it for you, says John, because he's the eternal word. He's the one who's always been. And he was, he was with us. And we were with him. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. This eternal one, Jesus was made manifest, actually present with us. Huh. Then what does he go on and say? That which we have seen and heard, we're telling you about, we declare to you, we're telling you about him. That you also may have fellowship with us, those that knew him in that way, with the Father and his son, Jesus Christ. I want you to be in the circle of those who experienced Jesus, like we did. 
That's why I'm writing to you, says John. Because I want you to be in this same circle of encountering him, the one that we've seen, the one that we've handled, the one that we've heard. I want you to be in that circle. Verse 4. And these things we write to you so that your joy may be complete. Because it's not enough knowing about Jesus. He wants you to know him. He wants you to actually know him. That's another level, isn't it? That's like, really? So John, you're the one who, at the meal, because of the way they sat, they didn't sit on tables and chairs like we do, you know. They don't sit around like that. They had sort of couches and things like that. And at the table, at the meal, you're the one who actually leaned back and rested on Jesus' chest. You walked down dirty streets with him. You were in the crowd with him. You were in X number of houses that put you up because actually Jesus didn't own property. The whole world was his. The whole creation is his, but he owned nothing. And you handled him. You tapped him on the shoulder. You gave him a hug. You carried stuff for him. You saw him. You heard him. You talked with him. He was manifest with you. And you're saying that that which was manifest to you, you want us to be incorporated into so that our joy may be complete. You want us to know him. Paul writes to the church, he says, now that you know God, or should I say, now that God knows you? Because in Christ, you become in relationship with the Father. It's a knowing, it's a relational knowing. Of course, God knows you exist. But until your heart is open for that relationship, for you to be walking one with another like a friend, it's just information. It's just knowledge. The Lord is drawing us to a place of intimacy and connection. He's saying, I'm so much more than you've got yet and I want you to know that's so much more and that's him where you've got doubts and you've got fears where you've got troubles where you've got all sorts of challenges in life I want to be present in those and I will make myself manifest there he is trustworthy he really is trustworthy There's a difficulty because I know that I'm, I'm speaking to a majority of people in the room who know the Lord, right? And you know the Lord in varying degrees because of your life experience and where you've come from and what you're journeying with him through right now or not, as the case may be. For some of you, you're here this morning because it's a nice place to come. Some of you might be here because you want to please your partner. Others of you might be here because you want to get away from your partner. 
There's all sorts of reasons why we're in the room, right? Sometimes we need a respite from the chaos. And what we find when we step in here amongst the people of God, like in other churches, you find the presence of God and you find peace for a few moments. But the Lord wants you to know him above everything else. And my job and Gareth's job and the leaders of this church's job is to equip you to know him. It's not to know him for you. We're not vicars. It's not vicarious. You know him through me. We're here to equip you to know him and walk in the purposes that he has for you. That's what it's about. That's why we're here. You're not here to be entertained. How disappointing to get me. Yeah, you want Jesus. So a question for 2024. Have you got enough Jesus yet? Do you want more of him? I'm hungry for him. The psalmist captures it so beautifully. Like a deer pants for water, so my soul longs after you. It's like a dry and a thirsty place. I just, I just need him. And the more I've needed him, the more he's answered and the more I realise that I need him. And it's a cycle. It's like, Jesus, I just need you again. And it's the best place to be. There are some potential barriers to intimacy with God. And I would argue that the first one is pride. And it actually sets us up in a hot position towards God that questions him and says that I'm greater than you and I'm not actually going to submit to your leadership and your leading in my life because I know what's right. I'm not going to submit to that. And as you look through the Gospels, you really do get the impression that Jesus says, okay, if that's what you want. Because Jesus doesn't impose himself on us. He invites. He invites. What do you want to lay down this year to have more of me? What would you like? And he does this divine exchange where he takes away our junk and our rubbish and the things that produce rubbish in our lives and he gives us himself, which produces incredible fruit, joy, peace, relationship with him that's a sure and solid foundation beneath our feet. So if this pool is intimacy with God, the water is a place of abiding in him, then Gareth, can you help me just remove a cover so that we get to start the process of opening up? We go, do you know what? I don't want pride to be in the way of getting to know. I'm going to make a decision to say, actually, I, I want to put you in the driving seat. want you to drive, Lord. He says, okay, 
That's fine. That's great. Moses encountered God at a burning bush. And this bush was being burnt, but it wasn't being consumed. And he looked across and he was like, what's going on? And he approached and God spoke and said, take off your shoes because where you stand is holy ground. Moses was okay, all right, well, I'll, I'll take off my shoes. And I was reading somewhere that basically wearing shoes in somebody else's territory, in somebody else's place, indicated that you weren't submitting to their authority and that you were standing on your own. And so there's Moses in the desert without his shoes on, standing in front of a burning bush, thinking, huh, what's going on? Am I going crazy? And there's this point, isn't there, in the Christian life where we second-guess ourselves. Are you really right, John? Can I really know Jesus like this? Are you really right, Jesus? Are you, are you really who you say you are? In fact, in Jesus' own ministry, his mothers and brothers came and sought, sought him out because they thought he was going nuts. So, oh, your mum your, your and your brothers are outside. They want to talk to you. Jesus is like, no, these, these people who follow me, they're my family, they're my relationship. That's where it's happening. These are my mothers and my brothers and my sisters are those who are locked in on me and they don't want to go anywhere else. So we've got this moment, we've got these decision points. Uh, it feels a bit too much. It feels a bit over the top, perhaps. Let me ask you this. If the God of the universe who created everything comes to earth, interacts with humanity, deals with our sin and presents himself a free gift of grace so that we can know God again, What's too much in our response? It's an interesting question, isn't it? So pride is a, is a, is a possible block to this place of intimacy that we have or can have with Jesus. Another one is distraction. Because if we know him, we might have tasted and seen that he's really good, but actually there's a whole wealth of other stuff going on in life and we're so distracted that actually we don't really spend any time with him. And actually you guys are really intelligent. You're really capable. And you can achieve a lot on your own. They think through some of the jobs that you've had and all the rest that's in this room. I think, wow. It's so easy to slip into that groove of self-sufficiency and I've got this down. I've got it all happening on my own. I don't need God. And that's the weird thing about it, isn't it? That actually knowing him and walking with him is so much better than not, but we think what we've got is good and so good that we just stick with it. But Jesus is inviting us. He's saying, no, there's so much more to me. There's so much more to knowing me. The love you'll experience, the power you'll experience, the adventure you'll have with me is so much greater than what you've got at the moment. And that will increase. 
So what do you want? So I have to ask the question, self-sufficiency and all of that stuff of life, I want to take that out the way. And I want to put it to one side and I say, okay, Lord, it's intimacy with you that I want more than anything else. And man, are we busy, right? We're so busy. We've got so much going on, especially with electronic devices and all of that. It's nuts. Jesus says, will you come away with me? Will you come away with me? Will you spend time with me? Will you set some things aside? Just put them aside, get them out of the way. Ask the difficult question, is it really worth pursuing this? This other thing that you're doing? Is it really worth that? Or is there an opportunity to come know me? Come and be with me. Come and let me fill your vision with what's possible with who I am, with being so established in the knowledge of God that everything else just seems crazy. It's like, Paul, I count everything to be rubbish compared to knowing him. Everything, the Apostle Paul says. There ain't a thing, nothing. Everything's junk compared to knowing Jesus. And I want to know him. And I'm going to make my life's journey about knowing him. And I'm going to follow him and I'm going to be obedient to him and I'm going to pursue him. And I want to set everything else aside. I'm not going to be like a fool who's punching at shadows. I'm not going to be one who runs a race for no purpose. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus and I'm going to run after him. I'm going to be a little bit crazy for Jesus. And so he wants us to abandon ourselves to him to say okay I've got this app on my phone and I like playing chess or whatever it is and that consumes I don't know I mean just have a look at your phone I think most of them tell you how long you spend on different things right it's like Lord I'd love to spend more time with you so we can give him our time and we can take away We'll go this way. We can take away the limits to ourselves knowing him by giving him time and focusing in on him and being intentional about it. And then there's the last thing, which is if we do know him and we know his grace has cleansed us and and we know that he is so forgiving and abounding in love, and he pursues and pursues us and pursues us. But we know we're doing stuff that he doesn't want us to do. We're behaving in ways he doesn't want us to behave. We might be looking at pornography. We might be having an affair. We might be stealing from the workplace. We might be doing any number of things. Holy Spirit is the one who convicts us of sin. But he does so in a way that brings life. Paul says, worldly sorrow leads to death. Godly sorrow through the Holy Spirit brings life. And so it might be that you're just doing stuff that you know God's saying, come on, enough already. That's not you anymore. But maybe you're finding it hard to let go of it and you need some help. And that's why God puts us in community. That's why I need Gareth's help to lift these panels off. 
because otherwise we can't do it on our own. He's like, will you pray for me? As Peter says, you know, if, we, if, we, if we're honest, if we confess our sins to one another, God is faithful and he forgives us of all our sins and we find ourselves restored and then back into a place of confidence to pursue God again and to be with him rather than stepping back, hiding away, going, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And so we can take away the sin that hinders, the offence, the, the missing the target stuff of God's holiness. We can take it out the way. We can go, look, here's an opportunity. I'm clearing out the way. I'm clearing the decks. I, I want to be with him. I want to be surrounded by his spirit. I want to be infilled by his spirit. I don't want anything else. I want to know him like John knows him. And so we have the invitation. It's like, well, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to, am I going to step in? I'm going to get this far. That's nice. I'm all right. I'm still in control. I'm still in control. I can paddle with God. And that might be where you get to. But it's like that Ezekiel River. Have you read it? The Ezekiel River that flows out the temple. And it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And so it's knee deep. And so we find ourselves in a situation where God is now getting more control. I'm sensing him like I'm sensing the water more than I'm sensing my own ability to manage the situation. It's him I'm aware of now more than my own ability. And he says, will you come deeper again? And so we come deeper again and we say, okay, God, I want you more. It looks foolish, right, to the world. It looks foolish. It's like, what are you doing? Why are you immersing yourself in this God? It's like, is that real? What, what, are, you, what are you about? He says, no, I want all of you. I gave my all for all of you, for the whole of you, not a bit of you. Not for you to stay in control, but for you to relinquish yourself into my hands. And so that river that flows out the temple, the presence of God, his spirit made manifest in the earth, gets so deep that you can't stand up. And that you're surrounded. And that you end up floating. Because that's the only way to be. It's the only way to be is to let go and allow God to be in control. Now, some of us have done the journey at different times, and some of us have given our lives to Jesus, but we've never actually let go. We've kept control. I'll have you, Lord, and we haven't even made the, the specific intentional decision, but we'll say, I'll, I'll give you my life, Lord, but actually nothing's really changed. We're still in control. We still make decisions that we make, about our lives and all that we're doing on our own without his involvement. We don't give him the opportunity to speak, perhaps, into it. And then there's a moment where we get to the end of ourselves and that's the beginning of God. It's like, I've tried all my stuff. I've tried it in my own strength. I've journeyed through life and even through religion and through Christianity in my own efforts. But now I realise that I just need you, Jesus. I need you more than ever before. 
I'm not in control of this journey. You are. You're the one who's in control. And so I'm going to demonstrate a physical representation. Baptism is a, is a representation of a point at which we start the journey. But the Christian life is an ongoing journey of de death to self. I'm no longer in control, but he is. And now, as we journey deeper into him, what we find is that wherever we go and whatever we're doing, we drip. Because we... We, we want to be with him and it's because we're with him so frequently and so often that wherever we go, we're leaving the footprints of the master. We're dripping in, we're leaking on people. Don't worry, I won't pick anyone. <laughs> right now, I look ridiculous. And we often fear that in the world, right? I don't want to look ridiculous. And Jesus says, do you know what? Before my throne, huh, before my throne, the least of you is the greatest. You've got no idea what's going on in heaven right now as you are celebrated by the angels, by the gathered multitudes in heaven who see you and are championing in the spirit saying, come on, church. Find your identity in him. Know him. Know the King of Kings. Because when you know him, you will be transformed into the bride of Christ. And you'll be in your glory. Because he will be made manifest amongst us more and more and more. And that's what we're about in 24. It's about intimacy for the purpose of manifestation of the goodness and kindness and grace of Jesus Christ in the world. Another scenario that I mentioned in the first meeting is disappointment. And some of you may have received the, the letter this week about Donna passing away. A beautiful sister in the Lord in this house, whose journey out of darkness over the last 12, 14 years has been an incredible testimony of taking somebody from utter chaos and brokenness into Health and life and community and family and eternity. And she's, she was, you know, she, she was at a point where she wouldn't hug anybody or make eye contact with anyone. And she was utterly isolated in this town. To a point that before Christmas, before sort of August or whatever, she was able to be part of this community, loving, hugging, praying and prophesying over the others. That's what Jesus does. But she was willing to let him in. And he did the healing. And while I'm disappointed that she didn't see physical manifestation of Jesus' healing on earth, I know where she is. I've got no doubts about that whatsoever. So whatever disappointments I may carry, I give them back to him again while I'm submerged in his presence. 
and I lie under that water and I say, Lord, this hurts. I'm so sad that this is the reality, but I know she's with you. And if she's with you, then eternity is hers and you are hers. And that's so much better than even healing now. So I won't be denied the opportunity to praise you because you've done an amazing thing. There she was in bed in Harlow, dying from multiple points of cancer. And she says to me, is your ear healed yet? <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, I've got an operation coming up. Lord, heal Al's ear. She knew him. She, she, she did a journey, not of intellectual understanding, but of intimate knowing. I'm going to hand over to Gareth because I'm a bit drippy. <laughs> but I hope this visual metaphor gives you something for 2024. That our year is about a pursuit of him to get so immersed, so to let go of control, so to let go of ourselves in him, that wherever we go and whatever we do, we leak him over those that we meet.